0: we discussed the problem with going semi-woke and what is woke never mind semi-woke and why should Christians run from being semi-woke there's only one crime that a homeless person will get arrested for and has anything to do with being unwoke and then the very woke policies of our president are hurting some of the most woke people in the country this is your favorite unwoke night of the week the Deep end on Tim Hatch live Welcome in, everybody. Season 6, episode 32 of The Deep End. We do three things on this channel. We take your questions once a month, but usually every week we do the news on Tuesday and the Bible on Wednesday. And some of you haven't subscribed yet. Would you click that like button, the subscribe button, and the notification bell? All three. Go for it. It'll feel better if you do it, okay? It helps the channel in every way. So glad that you're here. So thankful for all the subscribers and all the supporters of this content. You make what I do so worth it. And we got to talk about the issue of wokeism coming for the church. And uh, I got some news to share with you about that because it is coming into the church. It's seeping into the church. And if you want to know where it leads in the church, all you got to do is look at the world because the world is really going full woke and the church can't afford to follow the world. So before we get into all the news, let's talk about the problem with being semi-woke. There's a problem with being semi-woke, and that is that you start to straddle the fence. You start to go halfway with wokeism, now some of you are like i don't even know what woke means i mean christians complain about it all the time a lot of pastors complain about it a lot of right-wing politicians complain about it what does woke mean well you might disagree with my definition but i think this definition kind of sums up the chief tenets of being woke here it is racism is humanity's original sin every belief is valid and worthy of respect outside of orthodox christianity Equity, that is equal outcomes, regardless of effort or merit, is the goal. And you're so open-minded, your brain falls out. (laughs) Those are my definitions of what it means to be woke. And what we see on a regular basis is that wokeism is cultish. It has this cultish religious aspect to it. And there are certain cultural sins that you can commit that you will be... um, Arrested for and publicly shamed and canceled and cancellation is really like public execution, but not with the killing And it won't matter who you are no matter how far down on the rung of society you are and that brings me to deep end news Okay, so this piece of news is going to totally undermine the wokeism cult So remember wokeism believes that racism is the original sin that every person is valid and equal dignity, that equity is the goal. Well, that is not true when you break the great commandments of wokeism. And one of the great commandments of wokeism is respect the alphabet gang. You have got to honor, pay tribute, celebrate, uh, support, honor, did I say honor? (laughs) And even worship the LGBTQIA crowd. If you do anything to disparage them, anything at all, you will be arrested. This is news from New York Daily News, a homeless man was charged with hate crimes for defecating on two LGBTQ plus pride flags in New York City. A homeless man has been charged with several hate crimes for defecating on the pride flag, wiping his behind with another at a Manhattan restaurant. Uh, this is Fred Innocent, funny name, 45 years old, walked on to Bosio 95, a tapas bar on West 95th Street and Broadway in the Upper East Side, April 15th, 10 a.m., as the day crew was setting up and grabbed two rainbow flags off the table, cops said he would himself on one of the banners, according to the police, then cleaned himself with the other. This was a total hate crime restaurant owner. Courtney Barrow said after the hearing and uh, after hearing of the arrest, he came in within 15 minutes of us opening up the restaurant. He could have gone to Popeye's and McDonald's around the corner. He could have used napkins. No, use the pride flag. And if you use the pride flag to wipe your bum bum, that is total anti-woke And it will not be tolerated. It will not be tolerated. You'll be arrested. It doesn't matter in this case that this man, Fred Innocent, was black. It doesn't matter that he was on the lowest rung of the totem pole of American um, uh, uh, civilization. It doesn't matter that he just had to go, you know, because when you had to go, you had to go. Okay? And it doesn't matter. None of that matters when you break the rules of woke. You see, let's put this back up on the screen because this is the deal. Now racism doesn't matter because uh, the black man is arrested. Now uh, the belief that everybody is valid and worthy of respect because, you know what? You can be homeless and worthy of respect unless you defecate on the flag pack, fr- pride flag. And uh, equity? No, no, no. Forget it. You're going to jail, homeless man. You broke one of the great woke commandments. And now we are no longer open-minded about you and your views. You are going to jail. So the rule here is you will not poop on our pride. Oh, no, no, no. And that is unacceptable behavior in the modern day of wokeism. So you see the ideals of wokeism, you know, the rules are very stringent. They're they're unbreakable. You you cannot break, you cannot profane the name of the Lord, thy LGBTQIA God. (laughs) That is wokeism to its core. And It has nothing to do with the God of the Bible, okay? They have their own God, the God of pride, Lucifer himself, and everyone who loves themselves and hates uh, God's order and God's definition of man and woman, God's definition of marriage. Everybody who, I guess, poops on that really is a follower of Satan. So is wokeism coming to the church? The answer is yes. And I got plenty of evidence tonight on how wokeism is infiltrating the church. I was at a Christian concert this past weekend, and this is a problem with how wokeism came into the world. Wokeism came into the culture through celebrity. And if it's going to happen to the church, it's also going to happen through church or Christian celebrities. And one of the things that I really hate about the church is that we still have like this kind of subculture where it really kind of imitates the main culture where we have celebrities and then we have nobodies and, and we claim to be the Christian faith and and yet we treat some people with like you know special honor because they I don't know get on a stage and sing, or they get on a stage and preach, and now they're Christian celebrities. Like this is a very oxymoron term, Christian celebrity. It's very paradoxical. Anyway, I was at a Christian concert, screaming fans, celebrating mosh pit rap, loud. Space just driving into everybody's heart. And at one point, this, I think, semi-woke artist, who will remain nameless, decided to take a, a particular stance on American exceptionalism. And the American exceptionalism idea is that America is an exceptional country based on how it has treated its citizens and how it allows for its citizens freedoms that countries before it and still around it, by and large, do not allow its citizens. So in this particular song, the singer was attacking American exceptionalism, and the sentiment was that America is no better than any other country because the gospel is beyond America. Now, I agree with the second part. The gospel is beyond America, and no, uh, America is not a Christian nation, and for that sake, we are no longer exceptional. But I do take umbrage with the idea that we now have to attack the idea that America is no longer exceptional because the gospel is bigger than that. No, America is exceptional or was, I will get to that point later, was exceptional because of the impact of the gospel in this country. This country was the first country where there was no state religion, where the gospel was preached freely and people did not have to adhere to a religion to belong to the citizenry of this country. First country in history to do that. It led to the expansiveness of a Christian faith in this country that shaped its culture shaped its values. Its values written into its constitution and declaration of independence were rooted and saturated by the Christian faith, the Judeo-Christian ideals that come from the Bible. And what made America a distinctly exceptional country were those founding values that are found in the gospel, that are found in the Bible. No other country does what we do. No other country allows the freedoms that we allow. America is the only country to ever fight a war, a civil war, to end slavery and protect evil rights. And no, America is not perfect. And yes, it's got plenty of bad history and lots of work to do. But it's far more exceptional than 90% of the world's countries. And I would say that that is a very gracious percentage. 90, probably far more than 90% of the world's countries in history because of their founding values. And when the person, this artist, said in his presentation that, uh, you know, America is no longer really exceptional. It's just like every other country. I leaned into the person who was standing next to me, uh, the sound man. And I said, just go to Iraq and see if that's still true. Yeah. <laughs> go to Afghanistan, go to North Korea, go to almost any other country, really go to Russia, go to Ukraine right now and look at the values of those countries and look at the rights and privileges of those countries and look at how you can treat the values of those countries. Um, or disagree with the values of those countries and see how those countries will treat you. Like, for instance, you can, you can defecate on the American flag, but you cannot defecate on the pride flag. You can burn the American flag, but you cannot, and you will be arrested for burning the pride flag. That actually happened, by the way. And so those freedoms, those allowances for civil liberties are unprecedented in any country's history, in any world history ever before it. But this is the wokeism that is seeping into the church through, listen, the celebrities of the church. The celebrities are teaching the rest of the church how to respond to the wokest mindset. I bring you news from Protestia about Lauren Daigle. This is another Christian celebrity who is a very talented and very gifted singer. And I pray she stays strong in faith, but I fear that her influence is going to lead a lot of Christians astray. So Protestia reporting that... Lauren Daigle gets asked an opinion or her opinion about her state's abortion ban. She lives in Louisiana and she says, quote, I have no idea. I have no idea, end quote, about abortion, about whether it's right, wrong, about whether that's a life in the womb. She feigned ignorance about her state's laws about abortion. And then she said that she doesn't have any idea about whether or not abortion should be illegal in every instance as a Christian. Now I get that non-Christians can have that debate because they don't value life in the womb like we do as Christians, like the Bible teaches us to, that God forms us in our mother's womb. So I understand when non-Christians struggle with rape and incest and all those kind of things and, and the life of the mother and all that stuff, I get that. But when it comes to Christians who hold a biblical mindset, we have to take a biblical approach to these issues and come out where the Bible comes out. But this is her being asked years ago about homosexuality on a podcast, and I want you to see that even in 2018, she was already hedging on foundational, biblical, orthodox Christianity and its values. Listen. I hate to do this to you, Lord, but I, have, I usually ask some tough questions. So is that all right if I ask you just a couple ones that are, are tougher and you can let me know if you want to answer them? Okay, cool. Okay. Well, since we were talking about Ellen, do you feel that homosexuality is a sin? You know, I, I can't honestly answer on that in the sense of I have too many people that I love that they are homosexual. Um, I don't know. I actually had a conversation with someone last night about it, and I was like, I can't say one way or the other. I I'm not God, so when yeah. people when people ask questions like that, that's what my go to is, like. I just say, read the Bible and find out for yourself because, and when you find out, let me know, cause I'm learning too. Read the Bible, find out for yourself and then let me know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the statement, I'm not God and the statement, I'm not God, but I'm going to disagree with what God clearly says in his word that is right and wrong. You understand that it actually is making you God of God. You are actually, you are actually contradicting what God says by denying what God says. And saying that, well, maybe God's wrong about that. You are becoming God. So became, so saying I'm not God by disagreeing with what God says in the word is making yourself a God in your own imagination and then holding God accountable to your godlike ideals. This is the kind of the game that Christian celebrities have to play now. We have to play nice with the woke crowd because America is becoming increasingly woke. So again, back to the news article. Now she says she has no idea about an abortion ban. Should there be an abortion ban in her state? No idea. I have no idea. Look, Christians, Christian celebrities, I get it. I understand that it's tough to, um, be a Christian and then be a celebrity in the Christian subculture and then have some kind of this like this crossover appeal, which is what she has, which is what many Christian celebrities and Christian singers have. Now the crossover appeal to secular people and Ellen did have Lauren Daigle on her show and interviewed her and that's fine. But, but here's what you do as a Christian. Here's what you do is what Billy Graham used to say. I have to go with the Bible. I have to speak what the Bible says. And Lauren Daigle really gets to the heart of the matter in this article by saying, um, it says this, Well, while Daigle is practiced at keeping her political t- opinions to herself, she admits that her perspective has sh- shifted since Trump's presidency. <laughs> there it is again. I got wrapped up in the way politics was being projected and the animosity, she says. Now we're on this side and I'm looking back at myself. I'm like, wow, yes, I do believe certain things, but did it actually get the best of my faith at the end of the day? The Bible causes us to unity. Uh, again, this, this is woke, semi-wokeism because you play... Ignorant with the Bible, and then you kind of re translate the Bible into what you think it says. The Bible calls us to unity? Well, as Christians, yes, but Christian unity is based on fundamental truths as stipulated in the Bible. We have to be united on marriage. We have to be united on life in the womb. We have to be united that Jesus is the only way to God the Father. And these are not negotiable, these are foundational elements to our faith. There is no doubt that God has blessed Lauren Daigle with an incredible talent and an influence over the body of Christ. Her music is tremendous. It's very good. She's an amazing talent. But this is what happens to Christians when the world wants to accept them. They start to slowly drift. They get semi-woke. And it can happen to all of us, even on a microcosmic scale. I would remind you and Lauren Daigle, should she listen to this content, James chapter 4 verse says, Do you not know that friendship with the world is an enemy with God? In other words, you're going to become an enemy with God if you want to be a friend of the world. Or more pertinently, what Jesus himself says in John fifteen nineteen: If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world. But I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Notice what Jesus says. He says, you're going to be hated, but, but the hatred that you endure is not really the biggest deal. The biggest deal is that I've chosen you out of the world. And I fear that people like Lauren Daigle, people like other Christian celebrities, are losing their sense of chosenness for God's purposes and therefore losing their influence as God's people. It's a great privilege to be chosen by God, but with great privilege comes great responsibility, and the responsibility is to stand for God, to honor the one who saved you, to to give him glory, who brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Please understand that the next time that you're hated for what you do or the next time that somebody wants to argue with you about these issues, and don't try to play nice with them. Don't be mean either. That's a huge mistake the church has made over the course of its history. Just be honest. Lauren Daigle could have easily said, "Look, I'm a Christian. I believe the Bible teaches us about everything pertaining to life and godliness. And yes, it teaches us that life begins in the womb and marriage is between a man and a woman. She could have also said, I understand that other people who are not Christians disagree with me on this. And that's what America is about. I'm here to love my neighbor as I love myself while still standing for what I believe. And I hope that you can accept me for that. And if not, I can be okay with that because I'm chosen by God. We need to pray for our Christian celebrities. We do not hate on them, we can call them out. Absolutely. Because going semi-woke will lead to being full-woke. And when you go full-woke, you lose your saltiness in a world going broke spiritually. Got it? Another example is Phil Vischer. Now, Phil Vischer helped me raise my kids. You don't know who Phil Vischer is? He was the creator of VeggieTales. And my kids loved veggie tales. Keep marching, but you won't walk down our wall. Keep marching, but it isn't going to fall. I loved it. Uh, the talking tomato, the talking cucumber great program. Um, He was the writer and he now has come out as being pro-choice. And according to this protestia article, he has stipulated that in the case of rape and incest or the life of the mother, that you can kill the baby inside her womb. So this is Phil Vischer who has made other really questionable statements on his podcast. Uh, He knocks creationists as a bunch of dummies He credits his white privilege for the success of his show, VeggieTales. He has also thumbed his nose at Cracker Barrel Christians. This is all in the article. And uh, gets really upset at Christians opposing LGBTQ. And after a back and forth with several people on Twitter, he finally admitted that he's kind of vague on the pro-life position when it comes to certain exceptions. Again, the exceptions in the world, in the world of people, I understand that. But in the church... You've got to value the life in the mother's womb. You've got to see that God put that life together. And God is is the one in charge of life. But this is the slippery slope to woke. And it's slowly invading the church. Which brings me, once again, back to the sliding preacher in Alpharetta, Georgia, named Andy Stanley. Andy Stanley's Church, North Point, has baptized an openly transgender man after giving blessing to his transition, so proposes Protestia. And that is a picture of the former woman, now man, getting baptized by a leader slash pastor at Andy Stanley's Church. Uh, This was a guy, girl, by the way, who they had at several breakout sessions speaking about his transition, speaking about being accepted in the church, and now has been baptized as a man in the church. The church leadership did not respond to comment to protestia. And you ask yourself, how does something like this happen? How how do you go down this slippery slope? And we've talked about Andy Stanley before. And the reason is... His view of the Bible is highly problematic. Many years ago, Andy Stanley said that Christians need to unhitch from the Old Testament. The Old Testament is a problematic piece of literature, and so we need to disregard it. We need to get it out of, out of the way and just kind of, you know, take the parts that we can help people with and encourage people with and build people up with and make them feel good about themselves with. But those other ones, those judgmental issues, those issues about the law, we need to get rid of those because that's not what we believe. Well, I would remind you and Andy Stanley that... We don't know who Jesus is apart from the New Old Testament, the Old Testament. Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament. Jesus lived according to the Old Testament. Jesus was an Orthodox Jew who practiced the law perfectly and fulfilled the law uh, wonderfully and then died for our breaking the law. Not just Jews, but the whole world's breaking of the law. But Andy Stanley keeps sliding down the slippery slope of woke to the point where not only do we have women pastors and affirmation of homosexuality, which is pretty much guaranteed now at this point, it's just a matter of time before he comes out and says it publicly to the point where now they are blessing transitions and baptizing transgenders and not calling them to repentance. This is not a church. This is a gathering of people around a Christian celebrity. And here's how you slide down the slope of woke. You start to question the Bible's authority. So this latest sermon, uh, that Andy has been preaching, uh, through this, uh, series I think called the fundamentals of the faith and in one sermon he says that the Bible is not equally inspired or equally important and I kid you not this is what he said and you don't have to take my word for it I'm gonna play the video and you can watch him say it for yourself and the reason this is so confusing in terms of the purpose of Jesus life the reason it's so confusing is the way the Bible is traditionally talked about and taught, and the problem is not the Bible. The problem is the way the Bible is traditionally talked about when people talk about the Bible and how the Bible is taught. And the tendency, and I understand this because I was raised like many of you in church, the tendency is to equalize the importance of everything in the Bible or to equate the importance of everything in the Bible. So if it's in the Bible, everything is equally inspired and consequently, it is equally important. But that is not the case. And that's what we're going to discover today. In fact, that's what we're going to discover for the rest of this series. Those statements are highly problematic. The Bible is not equally important. Uh, The Bible is not equally inspired. Now, what I'm going to be gracious about here is I think what he means to say is that, yes, the Bible is equally inspired, but not equally important. But even that statement is very problematic. Is everything in the Bible equally important? Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) Because everything in the Bible is God-breathed. Now, is everything in the Bible equally applied? No. No, that one I could get on board with. And I want to give Andy the benefit of the doubt, but the way he says it, doesn't sound like he's saying that. So let me give you those three questions and answers again, because I just kind of rattled them through and you need to know these nuances. If you're going to understand how to read the Bible, cause that's what this show is about. Is everything in the Bible equally important? hundred percent. Yes. Because everything in the Bible is God breathed. We'll get to that text in just a moment. Is everything in the Bible equally applied? No. So we don't worry about not eating shellfish and we don't worry about garments with two types of threads in them. And we don't worry about the command to kill the nations in Canaan because those things were written to Jews in the ancient world for a reason. We also don't worry about meat sacrifice to idols, a new Testament issue, a huge new Testament issue, in fact, but we don't worry about that. Why? Because it no longer applies. It no longer happens, but I will submit to you this. We can take every single passage in the Bible with equal importance. So long as we apply it properly for spiritual truth to our lives today. Let me give you an example. This is a hard one, okay? If you've ever read the Bible and got to this text, you know that I'm probably cherry picking one of the hardest texts in the Old Testament to apply to our modern day life. And I'm doing this to show you that the Bible is equally important. And I'm going to show you through this very difficult text. And the one that I'm going to use is Exodus 21, uh, 1 to 4. Exodus 21, 1 to 4 says... Now, these are the rules that you shall set before them when you buy a Hebrew slave. Okay. So right now we're on to this slave issue in the Bible and that's hot topic, right? He shall serve six years and in the seventh, he shall go out free for nothing. If he comes in single, he shall go out single. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters and he shall go out alone. I told you I picked one of the hardest texts in the Bible. Now, how do we apply this? How could this possibly be as important as mm, Jesus dying for our sins? I'm going to show you this because it teaches us about God. It teaches us about humanity. It teaches us about sanctification and holiness and what God expects of his people compared to the people around them. It's actually very anti-woke what he's saying here in more ways than one. First, God is talking about indentured servitude, and what he's doing is he's limiting the excesses in the ancient world surrounding slavery. Slaves in the ancient world, and by the way, slavery was a reality of the human existence up until 1860, okay? And still is a part problem in the human existence if you consider the sex trafficking problem that's going on in the world right now. But God is limiting. He's putting restraints on his people. This is how you're going to handle slavery. It's not going to be full-on slavery where you own the person, and you're not going to buy slaves from other countries, and you're not going to trade in slaves. Slavery was indentured servitude. So if somebody went belly up, there was no welfare system. You just sold yourself as a slave to somebody else. Uh, Secondly, the law is protecting the most vulnerable here, women and children. So. Look at that last part. If he gives him a wife and she bears him sons and daughters, the wife and her husband uh, and her children shall be the masters, but he shall go out alone. Well, why did, here, you got to think about this. Why did he get into slavery in the first place? Because he lost everything. He couldn't support himself. Then he gets a wife and child from his master, which is not being prescribed, it's just being described, okay? The master gives him a wife and children, and then he still doesn't pay his way out of slavery. He has to wait the full six years because that was the limitation on slavery, only six years, it's right there in the text. Um, if he still can't buy his way out of slavery, then he cannot take a wife and child with him because then they would be up a creek with a man who cannot provide for them. He can't even provide for himself. And so he's protecting, God is protecting women and children, the most vulnerable members of society here. And then the law is demanding that men take responsibility for wives and children. The, the, the master now has to take care of the wife and child and all the children because he gave them to the man to produce. And now he's got to take ownership of them and supply their needs. Is this the best kind of society we want? No. But what it was in the ancient context to which this was written, these were extraordinarily groundbreaking commandments and requirements that were sanctifying the human mind so as regarding the least, the most vulnerable and perhaps the worst uh, the worst kind of employment possible, slavery. So now let's talk about the interpretation of this text because this is important for us. You see here that slavery was limited. That means that whenever we, this is how you apply it, whenever we have somebody coming to us Uh, or or whenever we have the opportunity to really extract something from people, we've got to take into account that God is watching us. We have to take into account that God is going to hold us accountable for how we treat other people. Secondly, we have to make sure that we're watching over the most vulnerable women and children in this case, and whoever that might be in our world today. And then we have to be responsible for people. We have to be responsible for our neighbor. Understand, that no other ancient religion ever set limits to slavery. Definitely not the Quran or Islam. Definitely not Hinduism or Buddhism. No other religion fought for the limitations on mankind regarding slavery, except for Judaism and later Christianity. So the Bible both limits slavery and it protects the enslaved and requires the slave masters to obey the law. Slave masters are not above the law regarding the freedom of their slaves. There's limitations. Why? Because God knows men's hearts and they need to be restrained from their propensity to evil. Now there's a biblical application to this text. Let me put it back up on the screen because who is the one who came to serve? He didn't come to be served, but he came to serve and he didn't just serve. He served 100% and gave his all and then accomplished all and earned all from the father to set every other person free. Do you see how even in the strange four verse text in Exodus about slavery, we see hints of the man, Jesus Christ, who comes to serve, serves so completely and so fully and takes responsibility for every one of his children that he has purchased for all of us, not just his own freedom before God, the father as the son eternal, but our freedom as well through his blood. Every part of the Bible is equally important, and any preacher telling you otherwise, you need to run from. It's just about how we apply it. It's about how we interpret it. And I fear that Andy is either getting lazy with his interpretation skills or really just has a semi-woke view regarding the scriptures. And if you don't believe me about every word being equally important, well, just listen to Jesus. Matthew 5, 17 and 19, do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you until heaven and earth pass away. Now that hasn't happened yet, right? That hasn't happened until that happens. Not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Not one dot, jot or tittle, the old Hebrew, the old English way of saying it. In other there's not the stroke across the T and not the dot of an I will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So it's pretty bad when your pastor desperately tries to reach non-believers and woke people by saying the exact opposite and doing the exact opposite of what Jesus said. Fundamentally and theologically, Andy has a miscomprehension of how to interpret the scriptures here. He doesn't understand the three uses of the law, the civil use, which restrains evil, the instructive use, which points to our need for a savior and forgiveness, and the normative use, which directs our moral values and our sanctification process. So yes. The Bible is equally important and equally inspired. Or as Paul put it in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture, not some, not most, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And these things we cannot afford, we cannot afford to go down the slippery slope of woke especially preachers and pastors. Because as I'm always saying on this channel, where does it lead? If you want examples of the slippery slope to woke, well, all you have to do is look at the businesses in the history of our country that were started by strong Christian men and women with strong Christian values, biblical values, whose businesses were co-opted in their second and third generations and now turned into woke organizations. I'm gonna give you several examples just so you know, consider the story of Alaska ha- Airlines. Alaska Airlines used to have a policy of handing out prayer cards to passengers that included quotes from the Old Testament and the Book of Psalms. For more than 30 years, the airline would pass out the prayer cards with their meals as a way to encourage passengers to say grace over their food. The practice was discontinued only in 2012. From 1979 to 1991, the airline's CEO was Bruce Kennedy, a devout Christian who eventually stepped down from his role in the company to pursue missionary work. He remained on the board of directors until his death in a plane crash in 2007. But this is Alaska Airlines today. They uh, have been sued by two flight attendants because the two flight attendants questioned the Equality Act on a company bulletin board. They exercised their First Amendment rights. They expressed their views on the company bulletin board. And they were fired. And they may have a case. And I hope that they win their case. How about the example of Walt Disney? Is there a worse example of going down the slippery slope to woke Walt Disney was a practicing Christian who had a Congregationalist minister give the dedication at the opening of Disneyland. He said, whatever success I have had in bringing clean, informative entertainment to people of all ages, I attribute in great part to my congregational upbringing and my lifelong habit of prayer. Quo- end quote. That's Walt Disney, the man behind the mouse. And today, Walt Disney is all in on woke. They released a LGBT themed clothing line featuring fashion for all ages and trying and tying in franchisees they own, such as Mickey Mouse, Marvel Comics, Pixar, and, and uh, Star Wars. And that is the tip of the iceberg when it comes to Walt Disney. They used to have a Christian Family Day at Walt Disney World. Now they have a Pride Day. And I think it's actually like a Pride Week now. Uh, they are all in on this, as well as producing movies over the past couple of years that feature openly gay characters. Uh, gone are the days of family values and husband and wife. And now movies like Lightyear and Strange World, which suffered badly at the box office, have to feature LGBT characters because there's a slippery slope to woke. Another example is Walmart. Walmart's founder, Sam Walton, and his wife were devout Presbyterians, with Mr. Walton being a Sunday school teacher himself. Uh, It says this, quote, Walton worked into the company's corporate structure The notion of service leadership that ties worker roles into the concept that Christ was a servant leader and emphasizes the importance in the Christian tradition of serving others. In the 1980s, during regular business meetings with Walmart managers and their spouses, Walmart's director of family living spoke on the changed relationships between husbands and wives, which were fundamental to the company's business model. But today, again, hijacked by the wokeism of our world, Pride Every Day, right on Walmart's homepage, supporting LGBTQI associates and their communities that we serve. There is a slippery slope to woke. Taking the cake, however, on the slippery slope to woke, has to be Target. Now, you might not know this, but Target, believe it or not, was founded by a devout Christian man named George Draper Dayton, a devout Presbyterian who originally kept his stores closed on Sundays and refused to buy ads in newspapers that promoted alcohol. Throughout his life, Dayton actively practiced his faith And sought to integrate his religious values into business endeavors. He was a member of the Westminster Presbyterian Church in downtown Minneapolis. He attended services regularly. Dayton believed that his business and success was a result of God's blessing and guidance. He felt a deep sense of responsibility to use his wealth and influence for the betterment of society. Uh, He believed in the Christian principles of giving generously to those who need. He treated his employees with respect and advocated for fair wages and good working conditions. He established the Dayton Foundation in 1918, which was one of the first corporate foundations in the United States, and the foundation focused on supporting educational, religious, and charitable causes. I just want you to ask yourself a question. When did you hear of the last great big company supporting any religious cause whatsoever? It says there, George Draper, uh, his religious faith practice was an integral part of his life and shaped his approach to business and philanthropy. Now, where is Target? Well, they just unveiled a pro-trans merch section for kids, including chest binders and packing underwear for 18 plus. This is in collaboration with Tomboy X. Uh, To produce the content that you see there on the screen, some of the ugliest clothing you will ever find, including trans pride shirts for toddlers. One of the things that they're selling is a bathing suit that helps men tuck up their genitals underneath themselves with a string, a bathing suit for a boy who wants to pretend to be a girl. This is the slippery slope to woke. Amazing, right? How many companies with historical Christian roots have taken the trend, the the early part of which I believe Andy Stanley is on and maybe Lauren Daigle is on as well, and is sliding ever so uh, uh, completely toward the disastrous outcomes that we see today in the business world. And what happens? What happens if you fight them? What happens if you resist them? Just ask the parents in Loudoun County, Virginia, a suburb of Washington, D.C. Community members there have received death threats online for what? For opposing LGBT teaching in schools. Someone threatened to shoot this particular parent on the screen there. They went after his job. He got fired. Uh, He's now having a hard time finding his job. This is Scott Minio, And he believes that they are now the targets of an IRS and FBI investigation. And they are um, probably happy that he's having a hard time finding a job as a result. This is what happens if you oppose the religion of wokeism. They get nasty. They promote violence. And when they say it, we should believe them because they have no problem saying it and they don't ever get caught on the carpet for saying it. Consider what happened at a recent Hollywood telethon, I kid you not, for drag queens. Now, you have to think about all the ways that you could hold a telethon and all the good causes that you could hold a telethon for. You could hold a telethon for kids with cancer or muscular dystrophy or leukemia or AIDS or I don't know anything else that's a serious problem. But no, Hollywood actors got together and raised over a half a million dollars through a telethon to support kids in drag. One of the Hollywood actresses named Charlize Theron took to the screen during the telethon to tell you what she's willing to do to defend drag queens. And if you get in her way, watch out. Watch. here with my friends. Yes. We love you, queens. We love, love you, queens. We're in your corner, and we've got you. And I will f- anybody up who is, like, trying to f- anything with you guys. It's really in all seriousness. There's so many things that are hurting and really killing our kids. And we all know what I'm talking about right now. And it ain't no drag queen, because if you've ever seen a drag queen lip sync for her life, it only makes you happier. It only makes you love more. It makes you a better person. If I could do a death drop right now, I would, but I would (laughs) probably like break my hip. But, and i Yeah. yeah! Listen, I want to ask everybody out there, please, please support all the great organizations that are out there helping all of this nonsense going away like it should. All of these incredibly stupid policies. Bye. 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 No more room for hate. Only love. And love equals drag queen. No more room for hate unless you say something other than what she says and then she is going to F you up (laughs) the irony of her words um, are is incredible so get the message watching drag queens according to Charlize Theron Hollywood actress makes you love more makes you happier (laughs) makes you a better person it's a religion these are the claims of religious practice and it is the religion of wokeism and this is where it goes by the way are you done with Hollywood yet I mean, Christians, what is it going to take? What would it take, I wonder, for some Christians to stop giving their money to these movie makers? What do they have to do? Do they have to perform a ritual abortion at a hospital before a doctor mutilates the body of a 12-year-old healthy boy turning him into a girl? Would you then stop watching their movies and paying their salaries by buying tickets and supporting their content? What does it take for people, Christians I'm talking to, to wake up to the idolatry of this insanity in Hollywood? On the same uh, telethon was Adam Lambert from American Idol fame. Here was he talking about the gospel of drag and talking about what we who oppose them are trying to take away from them. Listen closely. Drag is an amazing way to, to, to bring light to the world. And these lawmakers are terrified of just how brightly we're shining. They're using children as an excuse to take one more thing away from us. Well, they're clearly threatened that we are living our truth, that we aren't apologizing for it anymore. Not threatened. And using the children as this tool against us, it doesn't make any sense. If they cared about children, they would care about all children. What is being taken away from the LGBTQIA crowd? What? They are getting more. They are getting more rights. They are getting more celebration. They are getting more approval. (laughs) <laughs> what, what we are trying to stop and what I am trying to stop is the involvement of children. So if you want to answer the question, Adam Lambert, if you want to answer to your question, what are we taking away from you? It's the kids. We don't want the kids being exposed to the sexualization that happens at drag queen shows to men dressing up as sexy women and dancing around provocatively. We don't want kids there. Yeah. I'm sorry if you're threatened that we're taking the kids away. We don't want the kids. I know you want the kids And we don't want you to get the kids. I understand that's a threat to you, but we just reject categorically the gospel of drag. So what happens when you go woke? Well, the corporate world is telling us this. At least Bud Light is telling us this. Their stock has been downgraded and it has cratered and they've lost a bunch of sales. Even Fenway Park, I saw a video and I don't have it. I wish I did. But Fenway Park itself has (laughs) no one buying Bud Light. At Fenway Park in the middle of Boston, Massachusetts, one of the most liberal cities in the country. No one's buying Bud Light. And their disastrous uh, partnership with Dylan Mulvaney has proved that once again, if you go woke, you go broke. But for the church, it's not go broke because the church doesn't worship money. It's not about money. It's not about getting increase in salaries for our pastors and leaders. I have That's not why we avoid going woke. Do you know why we avoid going woke? Because if we go woke in the church, we become a saltless joke. So the corporate world, go woke, go broke. But in the church, go woke, become a saltless joke. And we can't afford to do that because the world needs the church. And the church needs to be salty. And that is the news about wokeism. Let's talk about some really good news. Really, really, really good. That's really good news. It's good. So I'm praying that this particular Christian celebrity, who is not a celebrity for being a Christian, he's a celebrity because he's a football player, I'm praying that he stays strong. Uh, This is Lamar Jackson, a a once-in-a-generation talent and star quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens, just signed a huge five-year contract extension to stay with the team. He is now the NFL's highest-paid player. He became the youngest player to receive the Heisman Trophy during his sophomore year at the University of Louisville. He began his Heisman Trophy acceptance speech by thanking his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, adding that without him, none of this would be possible. His first response in his Twitter account to the NFL contract was, thank God, prayer hands and signing hand. He once also tweeted that the true definition of love is God. Scripture tells us that even if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Even if a believer fails, God will remain loyal. Scripture makes it clear that nothing can snatch our salvation in Christ. Amen, Jackson. Jackson is a Christian, he is highly talented, he is very committed to Christ, and I love it. I love everything about this, and good for him, making money, and I'm sure he will be generous with the money. I pray he tithes with the money. I pray he funds the mission work of Jesus with portions of his income. That's great. Thank God for him. Um, A couple of, I think this was years ago, or might be modern, recent, on a um, podcast called Wonder King, Wonder Kind. He talked about uh, how young people need to look at his fame, and his response was brilliant. Watch. Now, for um, any kids that are watching, because it's going to be kids, adults, everybody yeah. in between watching, what would be a message that you would give to them, a kid that may be struggling to get on the team, a kid that may be struggling with the grades, a kid that's just really trying to make it? What, what would be a message that you would send to them? I got to keep God first. Like, pray to God. like. And you gotta be consistent with God. Like, it's not God like making a wish. Like you sitting out uh, shooting star and just making a wish. It's like you gotta be consistent when you're praying to God. Yes. You know, like, it's not just you no know, one time. Like man, it didn't work, so I'm not gonna stop praying and just go yeah. for what I know. You got to be consistent with God. Like, he don't hear our prayers, you know, because he got he to tend to all of us because it's not just you praying to God. All of us praying to God, like, you know, especially the believers. You got to believe in that. And yeah, that's pretty much all I say on that. Like, man, he- Amen. Excellent response, Lamar. And my prayer for him and other people who are making a a profound impact on culture and making a lot of money and getting a lot of notoriety in our culture is use your power, use your money, use your notoriety, but stand for Christ in the process. Don't fall down the slippery slope to woke. And I pray that he doesn't, he doesn't give me any signs that he will, but that is good. There is a good way to be famous in this country as a Christian in other good news. And this might shock you. But this piece of good news has everything to do with one Brittany Griner, because Brittany Griner is going to teach us about American exceptionalism. Yes, she reminds us that America is indeed still somewhat exceptional, because let me ask you this question. What other country can you be free to snub the anthem and the flag? Then fly to another country, break the laws in that country, get arrested and jailed in that other country, and then have your country's president fight for you to come back and then make money back in your home country playing basketball in front of cheering fans. That is the the case for Brittany Griner. The seven-time WNBA All-Star has returned to game action for the first time since being arrested in February 2022 at Moscow for what? carrying canisters of cannabis oil in her luggage. She spent 10 months in a Russian prison after she pleaded guilty to drug charges, and she returned to the United States in December after a prisoner exchange, which we covered on this channel, for notorious weapons dealer Victor Bout. Griner and teammates uh, stood for the national anthem, and the number one pick of the 2013 WNBA draft received a loud ovation from the home crowd as she was introduced. And she said that hearing the national anthem definitely felt different. Quote, it's like when you go for the Olympics, you're sitting there, you're about, about to get gold put on your neck, the flags are going up, and the anthem is playing. It just hits different. Being here today, it means a lot. Yes, Brittany, that is American exceptionalism. That's the country we are that no other country is. You can hate our president and get arrested in another country and then got fought for by another president to come back. <laughs> And, and then you can get celebrated by fans. Where? What other country, I ask you, allows this of its citizens? Yeah, maybe Great Britain. I give you that. Um, but Great Britain was influenced by America and American values. So I would say America exceptionalism, American exceptionalism is a, is, is a thing. It was exceptional, but that was before wokeism. I have to continue on this conversation because we have to talk about the incompetence regarding the southern border of this country now now here's the facts more people are illegally crossing into america from the southern border today per week than ever before in our history and our current president and vice president border czar kamala harris are proving to be way in over their heads joe went to howard university this week to speak at their graduation and once again (sighs) politic at a graduation ceremony, telling the black kids at that, at that HBCU that white supremacy is the biggest threat to our country. And here is he saying as much. Stand up against the poison of white supremacy, as I did my inaugural address to a single out as the most dangerous terrorist threat to our homeland is white supremacy. Okay, now now he says that to a cheering crowd uh, in an HBCU, which is a historically black college and university, Howard University in Washington, D.C. And then he says this. And I'm not saying this because I'm at a black HBCU. (laughs) I don't know if you heard the crowd laugh there, but it is redundant to call it a black HBCU because the word black is the B in the HBCU. In other words, there is no Asian HBCU or white HBCU. (laughs) But the pandering never ends from the president, and such is life. So while he spouts off at a black university that white supremacy is the biggest problem in the country, and I know that's for sure because I see white supremacy everywhere. I got white supremacy people all over the place. I mean, they are everywhere pointing their guns at non-white people all the time, right? You see them everywhere, right? Name your white supremacists in the chat below, please, because we need to call these people out. No, that's not the problem in the country. The country's problem right now is the border is wide open and Biden has been irresponsible. And it's going to start costing, guess who? Black people. Because the border states are shipping these illegal crossers off to other states. Notably, sanctuary cities like Chicago, where the mayor made such a big fuss years ago. About how they're going to be a sanctuary city for illegal aliens. And they're not going to deport them. And they're going to give them free stuff. Like the phones that they get when they cross the border. And the meals and the healthcare that they get that you're paying for when they cross the border. And so citizens in Chicago have had enough. This is in the south side of Chicago. Where they are starting to speak up because they finally recognize the problem with illegal Immigration, watch. These resources that have not come to us, now you want to overly compensate right. for people who never lived here before, and they we yeah. really yeah. need to be yeah. taken yeah. care of first and foremost before anything else happens right. here. Right. Yeah. Why would any leader put our black communities already riddled with crime at further risk by placing unbedded non-taxpayers... Steps away from our city, our seniors, our children, and our homes. We've worked so hard on. Our- he might be talking about Governor Greg Abbott in Texas, who's shipping the illegals to Chicago, but he really should be talking about Joe Biden, who's leaving the border wide open. Our homes are secure. Beautiful, beautiful. We are at war, people. Our communities are at war. They are violating our communities. And we asking that we have, we across the country, and we asking and we're demanding for office of black America or whatever you want to call it, to deal with issues like this. Uh, I did get placed on a wait but I was told that the immigrants were taking priority. That's a story that a lot of people don't know. And it just, it hurt me. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I understand we need to be humanitarian, but these people are that. My participants are third and fourth generation Chicagoans, born, bred, fed, and raised here. My grandmother, Mayor Rother Carrington, rest in peace, always said, Craig, charity starts at home first and then it go abroad. Uh, I agree 100% with all those uh, Chicago residents. And this is what happens when you don't have a responsible leadership in government who honors the country's exceptionalism, the country's values, who doesn't protect its citizens. That's the job of a president. Protect the citizens. That's who elected you. That's who you are serving. And what else is happening with these border crossings? (laughs) Unprecedented things are happening because of these border crossings. I give you two instances. In New York, uh, there was 30 rooms in a New York hotel that were uh, reserved for a wedding, a destination wedding, they had to cancel all 30 rooms. Why? Because the New York city mayor has put the migrants into the rooms that were supposed to be occupied by the wedding guests or consider the story of a New York city school that is going to lose recess in the school because of border crossings, uh, that are taking up space in the school gyms and the illegals are enjoying free pizza and sandwiches paid for you. The tax collectors, the taxpayers, not tax collectors, the taxpayers of our country. This is the problem with wokeism. I end this show by repeating my definition. It is racism is humanity's original sin. Every belief is valid and worthy of respect. Equal outcomes, regardless of effort or merit, is the goal. And you're so open-minded, your brain falls out. And these are not the values of Christianity. These are not the values of the Bible. And these are not your values. Because you are not uninformed, are you? You watched the deep end. So support it. Check out the deep end store at timhatchlive.com. New swag is available or just drop us cash through the cash app or timhatchlive.com slash support. And like I said, Tuesday night we do the news and tomorrow we do the Bible. So come and join me again tomorrow night, 7.30 for the Deep Dive Bible Study as we go through 2 Kings uh, 6 and 7. Great stories there about the unseen God who works in the midst of crazy scene realities. I can't think of a better time to talk about that. Amen. Thanks for joining us guys. If you haven't already, like I said before, click that like button, click that subscribe button, click the notification bell. You know, you want to, it's going to feel so good when you do all three and consider hitting that share button and getting this content to your social media so that other people can benefit from it. Because I'll tell you the news that nobody else will. And I'll tell it to you straight from a biblical mindset. God bless you. Have a great night in Jesus name.